0: Hello and welcome to Talking Aussie Books, a new weekly podcast shining a spotlight on Australian fiction. My name is Claudine Tinellis. As a writer and avid reader, I love chatting about books. And in this podcast, I'll chat to authors, publishers and readers, giving you, dear listener, insight into what's hot on the Australian fiction scene. So if you're looking for your next book recommendation or just want to know more about Aussie fiction writers, this podcast is for you. Grab yourself a cuppa, sit back and enjoy. Today I welcome yet another debut Australian author to the podcast her novel Wildflower Ridge was published recently by Alan and Unwin and joins the ranks of one of the fastest growing genres in Australian fiction what many in the industry refer to as ruro or rural romance tales of love and the vastness of Australia's outback rural or regional centres continues to find a willing audience amongst Aussie readers. It is in between these pages that we can escape our city lives, taste the dust thrown up by a drought-stricken land, breathe the clean air of an uncluttered landscape, or feel the burn of the unrelenting heat through the soles of our imaginary work boots. So without further ado, I welcome Maya Linnell to the podcast today.
1: Hello, Maya. Hi, Claudine. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on Talking Aussie Books.
0: Congratulations on the publication of Wildflower Ridge. How exciting. How does it feel to finally have your book out in the world?
1: It feels wonderful. It's it's kind of felt like a long time coming because, you know, I'd worked on it for a fair while before I pitched it. And then that wonderful news that you've got a publishing contract, um, it's quite a long time frame to actually then see the book out in the world. And it's just wonderful. It's a great feeling.
0: So I wondered if you could tell me a little bit about your journey to publication. How long did it take between finishing your draft to getting it on the shelves today? I think
1: in terms of um, some people's stories, it happened quite fast. Um, I didn't Tell many people I was writing a novel because I'd heard so many of the people um, stories where they had written a novel and then spent 20 years trying to get it published, and I thought, well, you know, I'd like to finish this to prove to myself that I can finish it, and then um, start pitching it. And it wasn't until uh, I was 18 months through, so I did a first draft course online studying, and then I did a second draft in about 18 months. And that all came together into a product that was ready to send to the publishers. Um, but before then, after I'd, I, I lost count of how many drafts I did actually, but um, I sent it out to um, some early readers, my mom, my sister, my nana, some friends from Romance Writers Australia um, and then some completely impartial friends that I hadn't actually met before, um, a friend of a friend uh, offered to read it for me, which was very generous. And then I got to put through a few different um, suggestions and um i guess weed out a couple unnecessary plot lines uh before it went to alan and unwin how important do
0: you think your experience or work as a journalist was to your success with this novel
1: Oh, I think it was really helpful to me, Claudine, because um, knowing that I could write feature length stories and and really enjoy, um, I loved those 2000 word pieces where I really got to sit down with someone and interview them and, and get their life story down, you know, a fraction of their life story down. They were always the favorite pieces of mine. Um, I had a great time on a country newspaper doing all sorts of subjects so um, one day I'd be off taking photographs of the new preps at the primary school and the new teachers and the new enrolments and then the next day I'd be off covering um, feature stories and, and lovely things like that and then the next day it might be a farm accident where someone is happy to tell their story 10 years after the fact to coincide with a farm safety awareness um, campaign that was running. So. It was wonderful because I knew the basics of writing. Um, I could pretty confidently put together a sentence and turn it around until it was something that sounded all right. Um, and I guess having that discipline that if you're going to write it, it's going to be seen by somebody um, and you'll be in the line at the supermarket and someone will tell you if you got it wrong or if they <laughs> didn't like what you have written. So that was quite, a, I guess, a good grounding for me.
0: Fantastic. I've read this book and I absolutely loved it. Um, I couldn't put it down. But for listeners who haven't read your book, do you think you could tell me a little bit more about what, what it's
1: about? Thank you, Claudine. That is so nice to hear. I just, um, it, it's never, I'm never, never going to get sick of people saying that they've enjoyed the book. <laughs> it's still a wonderful feeling to think that A, people are reading it and B, people don't mind it. So yeah. that's really lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so Wildflower Ridge is a rural romance and it's about country living, farming families and following your heart. And we start off with Penny McIntyre and she's been living in the city for quite some years for all of her adult life. She's got a job that she loves there, she's all set up, got a great promotion within reach and all of a sudden she's unwell and she has to go back to the small country town that she grew up in and her family clusters around to help her with their convalescence. Um, so seeing the country town that she grew up in from an adult's perspective is quite different from the teenager who ran away as soon as she was old enough. And there's a great cast of characters that come into play then from um, the family farm that she grew up on, as well as her ex-boyfriend, Tim Patterson, who just happens to be her father's leading hand on the Merino farm that... um, her father owns. And then there's a farming accident partway through. And Penny has to choose between the farming life that she gave up long ago or the city life that she's really worked so hard for. So she's got quite a conflict there and and has to make some pretty strong choices. And it it was a great story to write because I think you can't help but put yourself in different situations throughout the novel and think, oh, what would I do here? Or um, it's great. You can really put a lot of detail and some great topics uh, into your story. And
0: I also felt there was a definite city versus country divide in this book. Um, Penny's life in the city is a stark contrast to her life on the family farm. And and this is quite deliberate on her part. She wanted to live a life far removed from the one that she had as a child. And do you think that's a common theme amongst rural communities of kids wanting to escape life on the farm?
1: Absolutely. Having grown up in a small country town and – uh, where I went to high school uh, in Millicent as well. There's a lot of people that as soon as they hit uh, or they finish high school, uh, it's straight off, straight away. They just want to um, get out somewhere different. And I found I was I was very similar. I didn't want to stick around even though I had the option of a cadetship and a newspaper to go to. And I went, no, I'm, I'm out of here. And it wasn't until I was away that I realised, you know what, it's, it's not such a bad place to live. Um, and then when I did go away travelling, and decided to return home, it was really different to see it through um, an adult's perspective. And it's so different from when you're a teenager and you think, oh, gosh, I can't imagine anything worse than everybody knowing my business or nothing happens around here. But as soon as you start living in that community as an adult, you see a heck of a lot of different side. Um, And, of course, the city's for us, it's four hours from Melbourne and we're five and a half hours from Adelaide. But growing up, I was four hours from Adelaide. So that's, you know, that's a pretty easy weekend trip to just head off to the city if you really need some um, bright lights to spice up your weekend.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I was going to say to you that, you know, when we see Penny's life in the city, it's not exactly all sunshine and unicorns either. Um, (laughs) You know, she has a limited circle of people around her and her ambitious live-in boyfriend Vince and her friend Jade are both work colleagues. So when she gets sick, she's got no one around on whom she can rely to help her recuperate and that's why she has to go back home.
1: Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because, um, because I've spent so long in country areas, it's almost natural that if you know that your neighbor's unwell, you will go and you'll take a pot of soup and you'll make sure that they're okay. Or if you know, there's, we've got a, a bachelor that lives just down the road from us and he doesn't often have home cooked meals and no one's cooked birthday cake for years. So when he moved in and when we moved in, um, you know, we, we could work out there's not too many visitors to his place and we love baking so the kids and I often drop them around something nice and you know that it's the only home-baked thing that he's probably had for the last six months so I think country communities are fantastic at um, really drawing together when there's times of crisis times of need and I think it's a really nice thing
0: yeah it's kind of a blessing and a curse really isn't it (laughs) indeed (laughs) living in a country town so Bridgefield. Bridgefield is your fictional town in which this story is set and it's based around the Grampian Ranges in Victoria. Um, was this setting important to you in some way?
1: When I decided I'd write myself a novel, um, one of the things, the first things that I needed to look at was setting and because the Grampians are so beautiful and my husband and I have lived in and around you know, this area of Victoria for quite some time. We spent some time up in stall which is we had a beautiful view of the Grampians from our back deck. And then a little bit later we moved to Ararat, which is um, also, you know, you've got a beautiful view of the Grampians, a slightly different angle. And when I worked in local government there as well, um, you know, the officers, I just... Um, they've got lovely views from there. So I think it's a really nice spot. And my husband grew up in this beautiful farm, um, a Merino farm, as it happens, in uh, near Harrow, which is in southwest Victoria. And It's just such a lovely place with the beautiful big gum trees in the middle of the green paddocks and lovely, lovely um, farms across that region. So I think it was quite easy to set it there because I've got such a great knowledge of that area. Um, It was a little bit of a gimme.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Uh, And I thought you captured the sense of place really beautifully it kind of just makes you want to go there and I think that's the beauty about uh, traveling through fiction so I wanted to say that uh, the book covers um, varied themes obviously there's life on a merino stud versus life in the city there's love and loss marriage and family fidelity farm safety as well as domestic violence that's quite a a lot to unpack really in one novel Um, lots of interesting characters all of whom have their own backstories it makes for a very rich multi-layered story so I wanted to ask you did you consciously want to explore these issues or was this just the way the story panned out for you?
1: For me I was uh, it was a bit of a combination of both Claudine because I certainly wanted to make sure that there was some of the topical um, issues that that interest me threaded in through there um, and because my work as a journalist I um, I got to do a few stories on farm safety and one in particular that I loved um, working on was a story about a chap that I'd gone to school with who had lost his leg in a tractor accident mm-hmm. and I didn't know much about it as as a teenager. You didn't really ask those type of questions, what happened or how did it happen. So it wasn't until I was working as a journalist that um You know, we got chatting and I said, look, is there any chance you'd be interested in doing a story about this? Because I know a lot of people would be interested in um, farm safety issues from a local perspective. And we had a great chat about it. And it was probably my favourite article that I wrote throughout my times at the Southeastern Times. Um, And so every time I pick up the Weekly Times newspaper, even our local newspaper here, the um, Hamilton Spectator, the Portland Observer, the Warrnambool Standard, there's always stories about farm safety. And I just think um, it's so easy for these accidents to happen. And it's quite topical to to put it into a book and to look at how a family deals with it. Um, And then there's the family theme. I'm one of four children, so it's quite easy to look at the different dramas that um, having a, a large family can create, good and bad. Yeah. So, yeah, I couldn't help myself by putting four sisters in as well as wanting to now write a story for each of those sisters. Um, I think it's, it's ripe, <laughs> ripe with drama.
0: I was really intrigued by this underlying tension between Penny and her three sisters. Um, And as a reader, I felt the resentment against Penny for choosing to have a life away from the farm. Uh, Do you think that's a common phenomenon?
1: I think so. I think succession planning in farming families is a very, very big issue. It's Mm. something that's not talked about. Um, You'll have a whole generation that won't know what's going to happen to a farm until um, one or both of the parents die. And I think that makes life really tricky for a lot of the siblings um, that don't know where they stand. And we've got quite a few friends that have got, uh, you know, that are my age that grew up on a farm and I can think of off the top of my head quite a few families that have um, different issues that when they don't talk about it, it makes it quite tricky. Penny is
0: really put into a difficult situation when she comes back. You know, she's not there and she, she hasn't been involved in looking after the farm in any way, nor, you know, looking after her father. So everyone's kind of looking at her.
1: I kind of felt it was a little bit unfair, really. Yes, you've got to um, put them in a situation that tests them and uh, I'm glad that it that it came across well. Now, baking is a feature in this book. Did you give this to Penny deliberately? I did. Look, I can't help but throw um, different bits of my own life and interests into <laughs> the different characters. So Penny got stuck with baking, which you know worked really well for me because I do I love um, nothing better than whacking some butter and some flour and some sugar into a bowl and mixing it and coming yeah. up with something that tastes good. And I think um, the theme of baking yourself happy was a really um, for me a really nice thing to put in there because. You know, it's something that I live by but um, I know that a lot of people have food as a language of love and the one thing that will make them feel good if, um, is not just eating sweet things but making things to give to other people. So we do, we do a lot of that. <laughs> yeah.
0: I subscribe to that theory as well. You know, I often tell my children, that, you know, that if I made them something I've made it with love <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and it's something I give to them, you know, it's my way of telling them how much I love them.
1: In speaking with people who have read the book as well, since um, the theme that your mother's treasured recipe book, I hadn't really thought about whether that was a universal theme, but I've had a few people say to me that, yes, if there was a a fire in the house, the one thing that I would really love to say would be my mum's treasured recipe book, because once um, a person's gone, you can still, I guess, recreate memories by making the same things and and following the recipe with their handwriting on the page. Um, you know their little notes in the margins that say, "Oh, this one won um, an award in the show," or "This is the one that I made for Charlie's fourth birthday," which you know my recipe book has lots of scribbles like that through it and I just thought, well, that can be a really nice link back to her past and I guess pull her back into that rural community and remembering what she loves about country living.
0: So I understand that the idea for this book came to you sometime in 2016. Did you always intend to write in this genre?
1: I wasn't sure exactly which genre I'd write. Um, At first I thought, oh, maybe I could do a bit of a murder mystery. I love Kerry Greenwood's books, Mm. the Franny Fisher series and uh, Corinna Chapman with the baking theme in there. Um, and Joanne Fluke as well is an American author that I quite like um, like the strawberry cupcake mystery and things like that so a cozy quite appealed to me but uh, um, I'm not very proficient in knocking people off or (laughs) and I don't like too gory movies they scare me too much after watching too many horror movies when I was a teenager so You know, I can't do scary stuff. So I thought, um, you know what, I can do, I can definitely do um, rural, rural living. And I love a bit of romance. So that was a, it's not, and it's not um, a wholly, solely romance focused novel. It's definitely got a romantic thread in it to make it um, rural romance. And it's very, very rural fiction. Been a fan of the rural romance genre for quite some time um so that really came together for me as I started working the story out and working the sisters and the subplots um so I think it fit really nicely it wasn't intentional when I first started out but um it it pulled itself together and showed me at the end what it wanted to be
0: so tell me about the Romance Writers of Australia about your association with them and I understand you also blog for
1: them as well Yeah, the Romance Writers of Australia have been a fantastic organisation and I came across them at an author talk that I went to um, with Victoria Perman and she's got some wonderful books. Um, She's moved into historical fiction more so now, but uh, she came to our Portland Library and I'd never heard of the Romance Writers Australia and I think I was maybe halfway through my first draft and I was just deciding whether it was rural fiction or rural romance and when she told me, oh, she told the audience about this wonderful organization that she was a part of called uh, Romance Writers Australia, I thought, oh, that sounds good. You can drink cocktails at the annual conference whilst <laughs> talking books. Um, and then as soon as I joined, I realized there was a heck of a lot more than that. It's a great support network. Um, there's writing competitions, which served me very well, because last year I made it my mission to enter every competition they had on offer. Um, And it was a mixed bag of results. I found out that I wasn't very good at writing um, erotic fiction, (laughs) (laughs) but I was quite um, good at putting together a synopsis. And um, I came second in one of the competitions, made finals in three. And I think the best thing was being able to look at the feedback the judges gave. You know, it's completely anonymous, so they don't know me from a bar of soap. But they would have a look at it and say, oh, look, I like this. I think you can write well in this. This character's a bit weak or the title of the book um, is a bit bit weak. So it was excellent to strengthen uh, my manuscript through those competitions. And it was also something to celebrate um Last year on the the 1st of January, I got the first email to say that I'd made finals in the first competition. So it was a great way to kick off 2018 and I think it was a really good omen for the year. So I highly recommend anyone who's writing anything that's remotely romance related to jump on board and... um, In touch because it's it gave me the opportunity to blog as well. As you mentioned, I get to interview authors every month and do book reviews and ask them things about their favorite perfume and their favorite books on their bedside table So it's a real treat.
0: Fantastic. Now, this month's
1: blog post was interviewing Jocks are wrong, and he is just half an hour down the road from me. He's winning awards all over the place and he writes a great Australian tale. So um, I thought I'd love to have him on my blog and I've actually, um, he's going to be launching my book tonight, which when this lovely podcast goes to air will have been last week. But um, I think it's really special to be able to reach out to different authors and, and pick their brains.
0: Oh, I think that's brilliant, Maya. I, I really do. It's good to look up to other people and what they're doing and what they're achieving
1: yeah i agree and i've learned so much from listening to different podcasts as well like your lovely talking on the books i think it's it's great in this day and age that we're able to um, access all this information and and hear what makes our favorite authors tick or discover new authors i hadn't um i hadn't heard of a few different books and authors or i didn't know what the plots were until i heard some of your podcasts like the one with christian white so i'm currently listening to that on audiobook awesome. the nowhere child
0: so I wanted to ask you as well, are you working on anything else at the moment? And I, I suspect I heard in there somewhere that you were writing like follow-ups to uh, Wildflower Ridge and maybe doing you know stories based on each of the different sisters. Is that correct?
1: That is right. So I was really lucky to receive a two-book contract from Alan and Unwin, and they've been such a wonderful publisher, uh, very supportive and very enthusiastic about Wildflower Ridge. And the second book will come out um, in 2020, probably about this time next year, and it focuses on the youngest McIntyre sister, Angie, who was a lot of fun to write. I really enjoyed writing Angie's story. Um, so I've just finished the second draft of that novel. It's a bit oversized. I've had to cut it down. It was oh, the first draft came out at 108,000 words. So I've given it a bit of a haircut. We're down <laughs> in the 90s now. Oh, just. good
0: job, good job.
1: <laughs> yep, took out 8,000 words. I've uh, got it just over the line. So I'll... Um, I've got another couple of little plot lines that I may take out of there. So that one's not quite finished to send to my fantastic beta readers yet. Um, but very soon I was hoping that I would send that out during the month of June to mum will be my first reader. She's great. I think she's um, my biggest fan as well. She's probably hand-selling people the book in the street. <laughs> <laughs> in Wonderful, proud
0: parents. I love it.
1: <laughs> very proud. <laughs> so she'll get to have a read of that and I'll send it to my lovely publisher, Annette Barlow at and Unwin, By the end of the month is my plan. Fantastic. Maya,
0: where can listeners find out more about you and your books?
1: Yes, I love hearing from people and I've been so delighted with all the pictures of people um, taking selfies with the book and selfies um, after they've bought it at home with their puppy dog and their book. It's been (laughs) wonderful. So I've got an Instagram site and that's at maya.lanelle.write and it's also the same handle on Facebook as well. And then I do have Twitter. I'm not particularly good on Twitter, but I'm just there as Maya Linnell. And I've also got a website, which is www.mayallinnell.com. And if people would like to drop me a line, I'd be absolutely thrilled to hear what they thought about Wildflower Ridge.
0: That's brilliant. Maya, such a thrill to chat to you today. I wish you every success for your upcoming book tour.
1: Thank you so much, Claudine, and thanks for supporting Australian authors. It's wonderful.
0: Well, that's a wrap, folks. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or drop me a line via my Instagram at Claudine Tinellis or on my webpage, claudinetinellis.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, happy reading.